Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Bible's open to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 16. We're going to read there here in just a moment, Deuteronomy 8, 16. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament near the beginning of the Bible. Hey, if you, uh, if you don't watch Tim at 12, I encourage you to do so. Uh, Tim at 12 is, runs every Wednesday at noon. You can get it on the City Life app. You can also watch it on Facebook and YouTube pages for the church, and uh, and it's also available on Facebook and YouTube uh, continuously. You can pick it up later, but I'm continuing with this series called Your Questions Answered, and uh, this last fall, we, we polled people. We asked you for several weeks. We said, send in your questions, but there were there, there was a... Uh, there were some boundaries on it. We said that it needs to be in the category of the supernatural prophecy and the end times. The reason is because I, I probably received more questions about that than anything else. And so, so I asked people to submit their questions. We got a lot of questions submitted, and I'm plowing through those questions one at a time. And, um, and one that, that I'm operating on right now is called What is the Beast? It's a three-part series. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing with that this Wednesday at noon, and I'd really like for you to join me for that and learn a little bit more about what the Bible says, what's happening in the world, and I actually talk about the New World Order on this one. So, I, 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 you know, something very, very interesting, this, this, I did not know this was going to happen. Of course, I didn't know it was going to happen, I, uh, but, but something, I, I, had, I was, uh, I'd just finished my recording, I'd finished my recording for this next week, so for Tim at 12, and, and part of it, I, I do talk about what's on the United Nations website about how they're talking about the New World Order and, and putting all this together. Well, then the president said something about a new world order this last week. Did any of you guys catch that? So that, the president said something about that, and, and, uh, and people went, whoa, wait a minute, so it is real. And then I, I, I just went online just this morning and typed it in, you know, president saying new world order, and everybody said, oh, no, it's a conspiracy theory. All the news outlets are saying that. It's not real. That he didn't mean that. He didn't, he didn't that says, just ignore that. And I thought, well, they just need to go to the United Nations website, and you'll find it. But actually, what's interesting is I actually talk a little bit tiny bit about that on, uh, on Tim at 12 this, uh, this Wednesday, so I hope you'll join me for that. Well, you know, every single one of us, we have skills, we have abilities, like we can do stuff, and, and we, we like to sharpen and use our skills and abilities, don't we? I mean, we, we, go, to, we go to school for uh, just to, to learn about those things and to, and to sharpen ourselves up and become better, and we, we use those skills and abilities on our job, uh, but, but, but I want to challenge you today that skills and ability alone is not what it's going to take for us to be able to truly occupy and be God's agents in this earth. So, the title of today's message is Rethinking skills, and abilities. And I'll just tell you what my challenge is for the day. My challenge is for you to earnestly desire spiritual gifts and anointings so that you can make Jesus known. Well, after the, and that's the title of my message today, Rethinking Skills and Abilities. Well, after spending about 40 years in the wilderness, uh, after the children of Israel have been freed from, uh, freed from their captivity, from slavery in Egypt, just before they were ready to cross the Jordan River and take the promised land, the aging uh, Moses, he was wrapping up his ministry. And it's incredible because as Moses wrapped up his ministry, the Bible says, I mean, his brain was sharp, his, his, his eyesight was good, he was, he was a tough, rugged guy at 120 years old. Now that right there is flat out amazing. But, but, but here at the end, um, he, what he does, he gives his last sermon to the children of Israel before they, they take the promised land. And his last sermon is an entire book in the Bible, and it's called Deuteronomy. Now, I don't know whether he did all this in one sitting or not, because I, you know, it's tough to read Deuteronomy in one sitting, but, but he gave this, this one big message. It was his final message to the children of Israel, and it is all found in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, just to tell you a little bit about it, uh, the, 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 the book of Deuteronomy, what he does is he reminds the people of what God has done. 
like God's done some amazing stuff. He talks about how to live for God, how to serve God, how to, uh, you know, how to, to have relationship with God. And then he also goes into a lot of things, many things that really don't apply to us today because they are laws and regulations for, the, for national Israel, for them to be established as a nation and for how they, it just, it's just the, the, the laws for a nation. So, but there, there, there's so much in there, it's, it's, it's packed with good stuff. But uh, he also gives some warnings and some things to be cautious about. But as I was reading through Deuteronomy a few weeks ago, I, I stopped at Deuteronomy chapter 8, eight verse 16, and I thought, you know, this really kind of encapsulates what I'm going to be preaching about on this particular message. So I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter eight, 8, verse 16, and we're going to go all the way through verse 18. Now, here he is talking to them. This is his final sermon. He said, he, meaning God, gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Now, just to pause for a second there, what he is saying is, is I allowed... I actually sent food from heaven, and so every day they would go and pick this food up off the ground. I've given you all this food, but I, and I gave it to you in the wilderness, but I did this to humble and test you because <laughs> I want you to be completely dependent upon me. Now, he wasn't discounting any of their skills and abilities because I'm all for that. But, but, but he says, I, I, I want you to know that you need me. Do you get that? And just, you know, for some of you right now, just kind of a little tiny side note, you might be going through a situation where you said, I'm just hanging on. I'm just barely hanging on with just little spiritual blessings from God here and there, and, and I'm barely making it, but God keeps working out miracle after miracle. God's giving me my daily bread, in a sense. And that is, God is, God is simply teaching you dependence upon Him because you need Him and I need Him too. You get that? Okay, so that's, that's an important principle right there. Get this. You need God. I do too. We can't just do God's thing, the thing for God, on our own. Okay, it goes on. He says, so you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me. Again, to pause. See, God has already promised that once they get into the promised land that, that, that you know, God will prosper them if they do certain things. But God does not want them to say, well, it's because of my talents and my skills and my personal, you know, the things that whatever I bring to the table. I, God says, I don't want it to be about that. I want you to always know it's for me because he goes on to say this, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It's him that gives you the ability to do this, which is going to happen in the promised land, not you and your own just ideas and, and, uh, and, and, and your own abilities, your own strengths, so to speak. That's really what he's saying here. And then he goes on, he says, okay, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So it's God's desire that we not solely operate by our own skills and abilities, but church, we need the power of God. Now, I just finished a series on on Gideon. And, uh, and God essentially said this same thing to Gideon because God, God was just letting him know, hey, Gideon, it's not about your skills and abilities because basically you ain't got none. <laughs> you, you, you really don't have a lot of skills and abilities. But, but, but I want to give you power, and the power God gave to Gideon to accomplish his will like greatly exceeded his skills and abilities. Now, this is a pattern from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible that we as believers have to engage because we are walking into a, a new era. This is, this is a new time of challenge. And, and, uh, and I, I do not believe that skills and abilities on their own are what we need to be able to not only just operate, but to, to, but to really occupy and to make Jesus known in this, in this culture, in this time. So, uh, to understand the difference here, skills and abilities are natural. Those are the things that you get when you're, you're born. But, uh, but gifts and anointings, they are supernatural. They actually they come from God. 
Now, I want to give you a little bit of a contrast between a couple of kings. I, I love reading through the Old Testament. There's so much because it's, there are types and shadows and patterns of, of the way life works for us. David. David, I think most of you would know this. David was the greatest king of Israel. He really was. Uh, he wasn't the wealthiest. Solomon was. But David was the greatest king of Israel. I mean, he... he pulled the nation together, and he had actually expanded the boundaries of Israel to its greatest degree. And, uh, and, and you know, he was a warrior king, an amazing, amazing king. And at the same time, though, amazing king. You, you guys would agree with that, right? If you know the Bible, David was an amazing king. But David also had his fair share or his unfair share of, of failures and of sins. But what David did, David surrendered to God. David pursued God. In fact, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. And I believe, you know, looking at the original language, what that means is David was a man who was like chasing after the heart of God. He was in pursuit of God, constantly pursuing the heart of God. And that's and, and so that was what characterized him, even though he had failures. When we talk about David, we tend to not talk all about his failures, do we? And, but we, we, we th- tend to think of the wonderful things that he actually did. Uh, now, now, David had skills and abilities. He, really, the first time he really came on the scene was when he came and, uh, and, and, and killed Goliath, right? So what he had done, he told Saul, he said, he says, Saul, I have skills and abilities. I have, I, I, I can kill lions and bears. And, and, uh, and, and then when he goes out to meet Goliath, he goes out there with his skills and abilities, but he says, now this is the, the, the power of God is going to make this happen. So he combined his skills and abilities with the power of God. Goliath was slain. It was incredible. He did that with the anointing of God. So David Look through the whole story of him. He was the greatest king of Israel. Now, I want to contrast him with another king of Israel, which came uh, later on. And this, this guy was named Ahab. Now, when I think, when I, if you know anything about Ahab, you probably don't have very positive things to think about him. Well, what you don't know, I just want to point this out. Ahab was such a powerful king, he expanded the borders of Israel to their greatest extent, even more so than King David. He, was, he, he took more land for, for Israel, and, and he, was, he was a strong king. And there was a lot of prosperity in the land during his reign because of, because of the way that, that he led. So you guys probably don't know that. Because we tend to, it tends to be like when we talk about Ahab, we, we think about him, or even when you read about him, you, we, we like, don't even notice that stuff. But it's all there. But listen, there's a difference with King Ahab. Ahab, he had skills and abilities. He was an incredible warrior, but he didn't have the gifts and anointings. You see, Ahab was a man who was controlled by his wife, Jezebel. I think you guys know that. He did horrible abuses to God's people. He participated in and, and, uh, and encouraged idol worship in the land, and he ended up dying a horrible, terrible death. And still to this day, the truth be told, when we talk about Ahab, we don't talk about his great works. We talk about his failures. See, what's the difference there? Ahab had skills and abilities, but not the gifts and the power of God. David had skills and abilities, but he also had the power of God. Huge, huge difference. Now, when I look at the two, I want to be more like David, right? So there's a difference now. There's a difference, and this, is, this sermon's a little different because this is more of a teaching-oriented sermon. So you, you guys who like teaching and you're ready to take some notes, I mean, you better, you, you're going to have plenty of scriptures to write down, a lot of stuff to, to get into your mind. So I want to open your minds and your hearts here. But there's a difference between natural skills and abilities than there is spiritual gifts and anointings. Now, sometimes we call our natural skills and abilities, we call those things talents. Uh, because we actually have them from when they were born. Sure, they may not have been developed, but we, 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 were, we were born with them. It's just, it's just who you are. You, you are. you are really good at certain things. Uh, this last, last night, a nephew of mine came and spent the night at my house, and, and, uh, and he's, he's like a superstar Texas football player. He plays for Odessa Permian, and, and he's, I mean, he's getting offers all over the place. And, and, and it's kind of nice because he he'll, he'll get college already paid for. He already has the offers for it. He's only a junior, and, and so he's, he goes around and plays football all over the state. He has natural skills and abilities, and that is awesome, and that's going to get him somewhere. 
you see. But natural skills and abilities on their own do not accomplish the purposes of God alone. You hear that? It's because natural skills and abilities, they are limited. But at the same time, natural skills and abilities, they're not evil. They're not wrong, okay? They can be perfected through training. That's why we have an education system. Through, and through practice, we, we can get better at certain things. I, I call this quite often our, your, your, your wiring. And again, I'm not against natural skills and abilities. So don't take that wrong because I think they're, of course, they're critical for all of us. But for Christians, natural skills and abilities are subpar. Now, here's where a lot of confusion enters in because often but not always. And I, I just think it's because of some ignorance, and, that, and that's okay because we're all ignorant in certain areas. But, but, but there is confusion between spiritual gifts and your natural skills and abilities. Now, get this. Spiritual gifts often work in conjunction with your, your natural skills and abilities. Not always, but often they work in conjunction with them. But spiritual gifts are separate from your natural skills and abilities. See, the difference is this, is when we receive Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit actually comes to dwell in us. And then when we become believers, and and then even when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you spiritual gifts. But you weren't born with them. You weren't born with them. You were born with the natural skills and abilities. See, spiritual gifts, they go far beyond genetics and and education and experience. They they go far beyond all of that. They have the supernatural power to build up and to edify and to strengthen other people and to make Jesus known in the culture. Now, your spiritual gifts always point to Jesus. Jesus. Your natural skills and abilities don't always point to Jesus, but the spiritual gifts in your life, when you're using them, they always point to Jesus. So, so the, the truth is, you, you can have a, a, a completely reprobate person, someone who hates God, they hate the church, but they can have natural, incredible skills and abilities but those skills and abilities will never point to Jesus. So you see the contrast. You see the difference. And so, yeah, spiritual, I mean, gifts, uh, skills and abilities, yes, have them, grow them, yes, but we need something else because skills and abilities on their own are subpar. They are subpar. Now today I'm going to share a lot of scripture. And so I want you to jot down these references, and I'm not going to put every single scripture up on the, on the board, but let's, let's dive into this. Now, first of all, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, 1 Corinthians 1, 4, we start off with this, because basically what Paul's doing here is he's introducing the distribution of the spiritual gifts from God. He says this, he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So what he's saying here is we are all recipients of God's grace through Jesus when we became born again. We received his grace. We we received him. We're Christians. So what does God do when he comes into our lives? Well, we we, we quite often just sell ourselves short because, well, we just think that's good because we're going to get into heaven. Well, you're selling yourself short if you only see it that way because he says right here that that when when his spirit comes into us by his grace, he enriches us us. He enriches us, and he says it happens in all types of ways. Therefore, there are no lack of spiritual gifts, and there's no lack of spiritual gifts. When? As, like right now, because we are eagerly anticipating. We're eagerly looking forward to the return of Jesus. That's, that's why we continue to actively occupy until Jesus returns. Now, the key point here is this. It's this. I want you to get this. Spiritual gifts are only distributed to believers. 
So I want you to earnestly desire spiritual gifts so that you can make Jesus known. Your skills and abilities, they will be subpar. Now, another scripture here is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, because in here, in this passage, we're going to see uh, we're going to see us learn, we're going to be able to learn how we actually use these gifts, okay? So look at it, First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. How do you do it? To serve others as faithful stewards or managers of God's grace in its various forms. So they're all different forms. <laughs> I love it because that's the beauty of the body of Christ. The gra- these, these gifts of God that, that manifest in us, nobody has it all. Nobody has them all. Uh, we all have different ones, and so it's beautiful. It says, if someone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Yeah. So, so that, that's when you're doing it for God. You're, you're doing it as if this is the very words of God. That's actually a, a practice that I go through as someone who speaks as part, that's as, as part of my gifting, someone who speaks to others on behalf of God. I realize that I, I am, I, I, it's not a prideful thing at all because it's right here. And you better be doing this too if you're talking to others about the Lord. Is you're doing this, you have to understand I'm saying the very words of God. Now that's, that's, that's a little scary when you think of it that way. But, but I do that and, and I, I say, God, you, you help me out today. I'm, I want to say your words. I don't want to just say my words. I want to say your words. And so what I do is I study and I prepare and I, and I ready myself. But I'm also eager to let God continue to speak through me, okay? Keep going on. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. The strength God provides. You know what? I want to tell you, there is something about supernatural strength to serve. There have been times, I'll be candid with you, and some of you who are volunteers, you get this too. You understand. There have been times when, when I'm getting ready to serve, and, and I'm, I'm scheduled to serve, or I'm going to, or have plans to, and I don't have any strength at all. There's, like, there's no physical strength there. And, but, if, but if you understand how to tap into the power of God, you can actually soar through an experience of serving using God's power. And you get to the end of it, and then you're like, okay, wow, what just happened there? Well, it wasn't your own strength, and it wasn't your adrenaline either. What happened is God came on the scene. God strengthened you. And that's, that's, why, that's why we should, you know, we should embrace the strength strength of God. We want the strength of God. All right, keep, keep, keep going on here. It says, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In other words, you can't get the glory because you know you didn't have the energy to do it yourself. I can't get the glory for anything that I say as the oracles of God because I'm not that good, okay? To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So we use these gifts to serve God's people, that's the primary use, is to serve the people of God, the family of God, and to serve others and all the way out into the community and to make Jesus know. Now, the word gift in, that's used in the New Testament is, is the, the New Testament term charisma. It looks like charisma. That's how we say it today, but it means something very different today. But the Greek term charisma. And charisma is this. You all have charisma. You all have charisma. But here's the definition. It is a gift of grace. It's a gift of God's grace. It is a favor one receives without any merit of his own. It's a gift one receives without any merit of his own. So you get it. You're not good enough. Now, I remember the very first time when I first started pastoring, and this was in the year 1999, I, uh, I, I began pastoring a church as a solo pastor, and, and I came to the congregation, and I, I preached and did my first, first service with them as their new pastor, and, and then I, I said, okay, I want everybody to come back tonight, and let's have a prayer meeting, and there were probably about 1,000 people there in the Sunday morning service, and then Sunday night, everybody comes together, and there's about 50 people for a prayer meeting, but that was actually good. That was, that was good. That was, a, that was a pretty good crowd. Because they were already, all right, great, great, great. So I get in front of everybody and said, now, I, I want you guys to understand this. I need your prayers because I'm not as good as you think I am. 
And I watched, maybe that's not something a new pastor should say to a congregation, but their faces all dropped. And they, they're like, what? I said, I'm not, I, I, need, I need that prayer. I need that, I, I can only be successful through the glory of God, through the power of God, through the gifts of His Spirit working in me and through me because I ain't that good. And I even had somebody come up to me after that time. I said, will you all pray for me? They're like, okay, we will. But someone came up to me and said, man, I thought you were God's answer for this church. Now I'm beginning to doubt it. Like, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. That's when I thought maybe I shouldn't have said that at that point. So if you ever become a pastor and and you tell people you're not as good, just wait, save that for a little bit later on, all right? Now, there are three categories of spiritual gifts that I want to talk about. Again, this is a teaching sermon here up front, so I want you to understand the three categories because this is where a lot of confusion comes in, and, and, uh, and this is my very strong interpretation of what the scriptures say, so I, I, want, I want you to hear it. First of all, the first category is what we call motivational gifts. They are also known as, quite often called, the grace gifts. The motivational gifts and the grace gifts, uh, these are broadly distributed to every believer, and we see this listed in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. So we see this listing of spiritual gifts, and again, uh, they're called motivational gifts, grace gifts, and again, I want you to understand, based upon the whole of the New Testament, these are gifts that are available to all believers upon salvation. Again, these are not natural skills and abilities. You might look at some of these and say, well, I have a skill or ability like that. Well, good. Well, God may attach a spiritual gift to that skill or ability and take you to places you never would have gone, okay? But these are supernatural, and they are given at salvation. When you get saved, you don't only just get a ticket into heaven. I mean, that's wonderful, and I'm, I'm all for that, please. But you also receive His Spirit in you and gifts so that you can do ministry, so that you can help the body of Christ. In fact, even as we filled out those cards earlier, one of the things that, that you can do is you understand, well, I can, have, I can use my gifts and my anointings. You can use your t- skills and your talents, but God will do all of that as we do ministry, okay? So let's look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. And if it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, this is not an all-inclusive list. I mean, there are, there are many more. In fact, I have a little note over there. Will someone bring that up here to, to the platform for me? I, I want to go ahead and read this. This is, this is an example of how grace gifts work, and this is something that just happened a, a little bit ago. This happened over at Walgreens, and, and this is an example of someone operating in grace gifts, because the setting was this. Uh, if, if I understand correctly, I don't want to get any of the details wrong, so I'm not going to try to tell a lot of details, but one, a person from our congregation when it was over at Walgreens and saw an individual and felt impressed by God to talk to them and to minister to them. And, and I'm not quite sure exactly where, that, where all of that went, but there was definitely ministry that happened. And that, but that person at the same time had brought an envelope with $1 in it and this letter, and so that person, you know, that, that person who was there is, is in a very, very, very bad situation. It's a woman who's in, who's in, a, who's in a mess. Her, her life is a mess right now. And she had prepared an offering and put it in this envelope and just knowing, feeling that somebody would come along. And then somebody operating in a grace gift came. And so it could have been the grace gift of, of mercy. It could have been giving and encouragement. Really, those grace gifts together would have caused that person to be attracted to this individual and, and speak. So, so these are two ladies here. So here, here this lady is next door. She's not doing well. And after this, the individual from our church, this lady gave ministry to her and, and helped meet some of her needs. She handed her this sealed envelope. And inside the sealed envelope was a dollar, which is now, the individual says, okay, I mean, the person who did the ministry, they put that into the offering today, which just lets you know that it's probably the largest offering we received all day today, with this. 
And this person was not intending on being here or doing this. And they're not even here right now. But it says, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear God, take my last dollar and use it to save a life. Okay, now I'm seeing a grace gift of giving that this person has. So you see how the gifts work with reciprocity? I have a lot of things going in my life over the past years, and I have thought that I have, I'm about over with the waiting for me to get off of parole so that I can do something better than what I was doing before, before my downfall. Thank you, God, for showing me the way. It is Jesus Christ, and it is supposed to go forward in my life. It was my mistakes, and it was uh, it was my mistakes, and it was the it was mistakes, and it was truth, and it was false words that were being said said within me. Again, it's just a little bit of rambling here, but 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 this is this comes from a person's heart. But God is working on me. I'm trying to move forward within my life. The pain that I'm now in, it hurts so bad that I may not be the same as I was back then at first. But my God, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He hears me. (laughs) He is saving me from the problems that I have caused. It is now 2022. I miss the important people in my life, but God is fixing it He's going to help me to keep moving on. I may not have any money to help myself get started back, but I will work through this silent pain. It's just, it's, it's a little letter that a person wrote, not knowing who it was going to go to. But you see one grace gift through a believer who's really in a bad situation, very likely homeless, homeless is the situation. And the grace gifts of encouragement and, and giving and, and mercy flowing toward her. This is how the body of Christ is built up. Do you understand? This is just a simple illustration of this that happened right under our noses today. Now, this list that we see in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, this is not, I don't believe this to be an all-inclusive list. Uh, I think there are more. There are more motivational gifts. There are more grace gifts. And we receive these, though, because we've received Christ into our lives. We have, uh, we have the grace of God in our lives. Jesus died for us. We've received him as our Savior, okay? Now, there's a second category of gifts. Let's, let's look at this. The second category of gifts is what I call the nine gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, and these are what we call manifestation gifts. And these seem, in my opinion, these seem, or from my experience also, these seem to be available to those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I I believe that you can have a certain measure of the Holy Spirit, but when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you can actually see, engage more of God's power and and His strength. So these nine gifts of the Spirit, we see these listed in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, and these again are called the manifestation gifts. In fact, I did uh, on Tim at 12 uh, a little while back, almost a year ago, I did a five-part series on uh, on the, the, the 12 gifts or the nine gifts of the Spirit that are found in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But again, these gifts tend to be seen in more what we would call spirit-filled or charismatic settings. But let's look at it now, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, it says, Now to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for his common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. See that? And to another of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different types of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines." So and I'm going to talk a little bit about more of those in just a second when I kind of list all of these gifts together. Now, the, the last one that I want to mention are what we call the five-fold ministry offices. I call them the five-fold ministry offices, and these are, not, these are gifts from Jesus to the church. So these are different. These are not the same as those other two categories. These are gifts from Jesus to the church. Uh, 
They are not distributed to all believers, but we see this uh, written out in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, and these are five offices. These are, uh, so they are gifts. The office is a gift from Jesus to the church, okay? And they're given to the church so the church can be edified and built up and equipped so that we can do ministry uh, in the community, in the culture, and within the, within the local church. So, and I, and I believe this, if for a congregation to be healthy, we should see all five of these ministry offices functioning in one way or another within a local church. Again, these are gifts from Jesus to the church and their offices, and they're not distributed to the entire body of Christ. Okay, here it goes. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So these are expressions of spiritual gifts within the New Testament church. So that's, those are the three categories. But catch this. Spiritual gifts are not about status. They are about doing. They are about activity. They're about doing. We use them. They're not about ranks. Gifts are not given to one person who just seems to be more spiritual. God doesn't look, oh, I think, I think you deserve a little more because you're, you're you know, you, I think you, yeah, I think you, I just randomly, oh, you, you know, you look like you could do good uh, being a pastor, so I'm just going to give you, no, that's not how it works, okay? So God, it, but, but at the same time, we are to earnestly desire these spiritual gifts so that we can make Jesus know. Now, Remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it said there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit who distributes them. So understand, again, they are all supernatural. They are greater than skills and abilities. And so you are blessed with various spiritual gifts to be a blessing. So God blesses you with the gifts so that you can be a blessing, just like the story that I told just a moment ago, to make Jesus known. And hear me well, if you're a believer, you already have gifts operating in your life. God didn't put you on this earth just to earn a living and to do well and whatever. I mean, is that what Jesus died for? No, that's not what he died for. You have a responsibility, as we're talking about this year, to occupy, to do God's business, and to grow the investment he gave you. We are to work until Jesus returns. So, so in one way or another, every one of us, we are to dedicate our lives to the greatest cause, which is to make Jesus known. And that is how to make your life significant right there. So you can be successful on skills and abilities, but you will never be significant until you use the power of God that's in you. That's how we make a difference. See, how do I do it? Well, I occupy until Jesus comes by being a pastor. Well, what does a pastor do? Well, my, my job, job description, wonderfully enough, actually comes straight from the Bible, so it's, it's pretty, pretty simple for me. And fundamentally, my job description says that I am to equip you you, the followers of Jesus, I am to make sure that you are equipped to do ministry. And that's part of what I'm doing today. I'm helping you to be equipped to do ministry by utilizing and engaging spiritual gifts. I am to equip you to be used the way God has uniquely wired you. It also says in the scriptures that I am responsible for your souls. In fact, it says, and so if you guys want to be a pastor, think about this real quick. It says, you know, you should think twice. The Bible basically says this. Really think twice about doing this because, because the people who lead and who teach and people who are pastors, they're going to be judged with much greater severity than others. And it's because of the office that, you know, you're a gift to the church and, that, and you've, got, you've got to do this right. So the scriptures actually tell, tell me, I've read it and you can read it too, that I will be judged based upon how I cared for your souls. So I'm responsible, literally says I'm responsible for your souls. How, how would you like that responsibility? <laughs> that's, that's fine. So 
Here are, and I just want to tell you a little bit about me so you can understand how this works. Again, today's message is very teaching-oriented. It's practical. My gifts are this. My gifts are prophecy. My gifts are encouraging, leading, and teaching. And I've also, though, asked God for some unique gifts, and, and God, has, God has blessed me with those, and, and it's, they've, they've come through time. But another one is discerning of spirits, which is a distinguishing between spirits. And, and, uh, and that, that's something that I found to be very, very important when it comes to leading ministry. Uh, also a word of knowledge. God will show me something or speak to me, something that I need to share with somebody else. And the interesting thing about it, usually when I share it with somebody else, I can't even remember what I said. And they'll, they'll come back. Remember when you told me this last year? I'm like, no, no, no. But that's, that's, a, that's a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. But, but, but here, here's how this works. The Holy Spirit is in you, okay? The Holy Spirit is in you. That's at salvation. God resides in you. There's greatness in you. But you can also receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which is an abundance of God in you. And, but then when we get together, when we come together, because we all have the Spirit of God, the, 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 the Spirit is concentrated and what I would call the church cluster. So when we cluster together, when we clump together, when we come together, there's a concentration. That's why, quite often, you will, like, feel God in a setting where, where this, and it has nothing to do with the building, but it has to do with the setting. You will feel God in that setting because God's people have come together, and there's now a concentration of the Spirit of God. There's a greater dimension of His presence. And we experience that even through the worshiping and through praying and through hearing the Word of God. And, and, and when we're in a spirit of unity, I mean, there's like nothing can stop the church of the living God. So we all carry God's presence in us, but it's concentrated and it's magnified in settings like this. And that's also where you can be empowered because we see these, uh, these gifts of the Spirit quite often uh, come upon people in settings like this so that because there's just this concentration of the glory of God. And here's the other point here. I want you to remember this. God distributes gifts of the Spirit to us. God is the one who gives them to us. God is the one. We're to earnestly desire spiritual gifts so that we can make Jesus known. I'll give you some scriptures real quick here. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says this. It says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Desire the greater gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. First Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14.1. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. First Corinthians 14.12 says, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. It says, he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So it's how God determines. Uh, for, for example, when you were a child and you had a birthday, you probably let your parents know what you wanted for your birthday, right? So, so let's say there's this kid who lives here. Um, let's just say that they live in the mountains of Colorado. And they're saying, you know what, mom and dad, I want myself a surfboard. I really, really want myself a surfboard. But you, they don't live near the coast. And so is the, are the parents going to get the kid a surfboard? No, no, because they know that it's not what that kid needs. So parents, they distribute gifts to their children as they determine, right? Right. And God does the same thing. You might want a certain gift, but that doesn't mean God will give it to you. But we are still to desire them and even ask God for them. And, and another thing, do not leave your gifts sitting on the shelf. That, that's why you do not have those gifts and just leave them sitting there. You are to use them Use them for the glory of God. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Do not neglect your gifts. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Stir up the gifts that are already in you. So I want you to listen to this. I'm going to give you a list of gifts now. And I want you to ask yourself, I'm going to read through this slowly. I'm going to ask you to consider these questions. Is one of these gifts that I'm reading, is it on the shelf, and does it need to come off the shelf? Do you need to stir it up? Because if that's the case, write it down and put a star by it, okay? Write it down, just put a star by it. And if you hear another one think, you know what? I really desire that. The Scripture says we're supposed to desire them. So write that down also and underline it. So the stars mean you already have it, and you're, you're, you're going to take it off the shelf, and you're going to use it. You're going to use it in a greater way. And, uh, 
And others that you just have underlined, these are some that you just need to grow in, that you need. You need you, you're going to ask God for. Now, God may not give them to you, but, uh, but, but these are things that you desire. So take a look at them. Here, write these down as I go through this list. Serving. Do you desire it? You can ask God for it. Do you need to get it off the shelf? Get it off the shelf. Teaching. Encouraging. Giving. Leading. Mercy. The word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is when God speaks through someone uh, showing his mind or his purpose for a specific situation. The word of knowledge. That is where God reveals information pertaining to a person or an event uh, regarding a specific pur- pur- uh, purpose or a need. Discerning of spirits. That's the ability to discern what's happening in the spirit world so you can even detect true sources of, of what, what people are operating in. You, you have an ability, sometimes we just call it discernment. I think that's one of the most important gifts that we need to have in this era uh, more than ever before is discerning of spirits. I think it's critical for us. <clears throat> Faith. That's just not faith to get saved. That's a high level of faith, knowing that there's no doubt God's going to work a miracle here. Gifts of healing. That's supernatural powers to heal. Working of miracles. Uh, that's supernatural power that supersedes natural law. Uh, prophecy is, could be like, be like a sudden divine disclosure of some type of an exhortation to God's people. Or, you know, they are always words of comfort, really, which share the heart of God. It states and what God wants to be to have stated. Tongues, which is supernaturally speaking in a language you do not know and you have not learned. Interpretation of tongues is meaningfully interpreting something that's spoken in tongues. These are gifts. These are all gifts, spiritual gifts that God has, and they're not all available to everyone. Remember that. But they're all for the purpose of making him known so that we can occupy, so that we can do his work until he returns. Now, if you have questions about some of these, you can ask me, but I encourage you to go to the Scriptures and to learn more. Go to the Bible. Don't go to the Internet, okay? Go to the Internet. You're going to see all kinds of craziness. You go to the Bible. You go to the Word of God and start looking at what the Bible says about these various gifts. Remember, we all, every one of us, can have gifts and anointing that supersede our skills and abilities. God's called us, and he's put us on this earth, and, and Jesus made it clear. Jesus made it clear uh, that when he left this earth that he was going to give his people these supernatural uh, uh, gifts and anointings. His disciples didn't want him to go, like, oh, no, you're, you, know, you can do everything. <laughs> Jesus said, no, you're going to be able to do all this because the Comforter is going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come so that all this can happen. And you're going to have what you need so that you can make my name known in all the earth until I return. That's why I think it's important that we be filled with God's power. When you are filled with God's power, hear me well, you're going to walk into that office tomorrow morning, walk into that office, walk into that job, walk into, I don't know, maybe you say, well, I don't have a job. Well, you're going to walk in, into your neighborhood, or you're going to walk into Walmart, or you're going to walk into Best Buy, and what had just happened is the presence of God has just walked in. Do you hear me? The presence of God has just walked in. He is in you. And you are there to make a difference. And, and, and then you just begin to pray. And you use the name of Jesus and miracles will begin to happen. In the, in the, uh, the Church I Dream statement, which is out there in the foyer, uh, it really clearly states how this functions within our church. I just want to read this to you. It says, the Church I Dream is a vibrant instrument of Jesus in culture. That's us. It says, the church I dream is winsomely outward-oriented. It's a church that has a deep love for the city in which it's planted, allowing for a powerful flow of Holy Spirit activity through its people so the city will be different in years to come. You see, Holy Spirit activity working through us changes a city. It changes a city. So it's not about 
your position. It's not about your income level. It's not about your race. It's not about your gender. It's not about your social status. It's not about how good or bad your past was. It's a gift of grace. You have this charisma, this gift that God gives you. And, and, and it, is, it is a gift of favor that God puts in you, one or more gifts that God wants to work through you in. I want you to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be active in the culture. I want you to be making a difference in this world. And I want you to use your gifts on your cultural street. Use them. Use them. Use them. If you don't know about cultural streets, uh, you know, they're going to pop, just put the website up there, culturalstreets.com, as difficult as that is. But, but we've, been, we've been working on that over the first quarter of the year. We're rolling out all of our cultural streets stuff this year. The first quarter, we had our discussion groups. In the second quarter, you're going to hear more about the development of that uh, right, uh, right around Easter. But, but just, just don't, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Tomorrow, Whenever you walk in the door of that office, that workplace, the kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of God has arrived. And it's not all about your Myers-Briggs profile or your DISC profile or your Enneagram and your strengths finder number of strengths. I mean, I, I, that stuff's all great. Those are skills and abilities. I like all that. But, but there's something different about you. You have anointings and you have giftings. It's not about you anymore all the time. It's about God and doing God's work. Yeah, you're going to keep building a family. Yeah, you're going to keep earning an income. Yeah, you're going to keep interacting with people. But there's a higher calling for us as believers. We are to occupy until Jesus comes. Here's our four-point strategy. Four-point strategy, really simple here, for using it for anointings and gifts. And this is what I encourage you to do. Here it is. First of all, number one, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of His Spirit. Number two is to cluster in God's presence. When we get together, so God's presence is magnified. The third one is to receive gifts of the Spirit. Receive them. God's going to give you a gift. Receive it. And of course, use it. <laughs> and that fourth one is to use Holy Spirit power on your cultural street. The Holy Spirit power flows through the gifts. Isn't that cool how that works? Do you see what is the amazing stuff that's available to us as believers? Our lives are not just about getting saved and getting into heaven. There's so much God wants for us to do, and I want you to do it as well. i like every head to be bowed. Just close your eyes. Focus in with Jesus right now. And uh, if you're here this morning, first of all, you're not a believer. The best decision you can make today is to give your life to Jesus Christ. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and receive Him as your Savior because He comes into your life and yes, it does give you entrance into heaven but also these new spiritual gifts are going to begin to come into your life. And if that's you this morning, you need to receive Christ before we go any further. At the count of three, I want you to lift your hand so that I can see it. I'm going to connect my faith with yours. We're going to pray and receive Christ. Would you do this with me? If that's you, you need Jesus today, lift your hand for me. Just one, two, three. Lift it up for me. Lift your hand up so I can see it. Thank you. Put your hands down. All right. If you lifted your hand, or if you, even if you didn't and you want to pray this prayer with me, I want you to pray and believe it from the bottom of your heart. Church, will you please pray and pray out loud as, as we pray together in encouragement of those who are giving their lives to Christ in this room right now and online. Pray these words with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Put your spirit in me. I choose today to turn from my past and to embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for putting your spirit in me and giving me these gifts so I can make your name known. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.